I'm Daniel, the Past Life Regressionist, and it's time to begin. This is Timeless Spirituality. Hey everyone, it's been brought to my attention that there's a bit of an echo once the episode starts and it lasts for a couple minutes, so just wanted to let you guys know that I'm working with the software company to resolve that, so hopefully I'll take care of it soon. With that said, let's uh, roll into the intro now. Hey everyone, welcome back to Time of Spirituality. So, for this week's episode, it is the unofficial part one of an unofficial two-part episode, which will come later in either January or February, and that episode is titled Spiritual Satire. Now, both episodes deal with shadow work and spiritual bypassing, but this one is in more of a serious manner, so I thought it was important to kind of lay the foundation with this episode before spiritual satire comes a little bit down the road. So take this one in, guys. It's a it's a great episode. I really I'm really proud of this one. And one of the great things about producing the podcast is that I get to learn about myself in the process. I know I've said that many times, so I'm like a broken record there. But I get to learn about myself and it's great. It's great to to have that mirror held up for me and be able to reflect back on whatever it is that comes up and This just happens to be one of those episodes where I learn about my communication style a bit. And I just want to say that sometimes it doesn't matter how clear you are with what you're saying. You could be crystal clear with an explanation about what it is that you're trying to convey. And people just won't understand still. Now, my guest, Riss, I'm pretty sure she understood what I'm saying, so this doesn't apply to her. But just know that I'm punching up. That's it. I'm punching up, guys. I'm punching up. So with that said, if you would like to book a regression with me to discover who and where you have been throughout time, you can reach me on Instagram at The Past Life Regressionist or my website, thepastliferegressionist.com. And now, it's time to begin. Riz, thank thank you so so much much for being here. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Wait, I, I probably should call you by the nickname that I've anointed you or given you, right? Yeah, Queen of Shadows. <laughs> Queen of Shadows. This is Risk, Queen of Shadows. You guys have heard about her many times before. She's the shadow work coach who I talk about. The one who really pisses me off sometimes. But I do admire her for it. Because I always leave feeling awful when I talk to Riss. But it leads to feeling better. So thank you for making me feel like shit. That was the best introduction I've ever had on a podcast episode. So thank you really? so much, Daniel. <laughs> yes, I'm really touched by that. <laughs> Why did they usually say really nice things about you? <laughs> Typically, yeah. 
<laughs> but in a, in a weird way though, I kind of take it as a compliment because I know that if you leave pissed off, it's because we hit some truth. So that's okay. It's the highest compliment I can give you. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. All right. Are you ready for the first question? I am ready for the first question. Bring it on. What is your favorite song about time and why? Yeah, this question actually has me thinking because, you know, there's so many really great songs about time, but I actually think, and I, I listen to uh, country every once in a while, which typically surprises people. It surprises me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and not really kind of like the type of person that would, but I do from time to time. And uh, there's this one song called Timing is Everything. And it's actually a very sentimental song to me. Um, the person who showed it to me, it was years ago, he actually passed and he was, he was, we were really, really close. And yeah, it's just a really beautiful song about the serendipity of time. And it's almost like everything sort of has an order. You know what I mean? Like there's this sort of really mysterious thing behind you know, and, and humans like to talk about it in the form of like synchronicity or, you know, serendipity or whatever it is. We are humans, human minds try and make sense of like these really odd sort of coincidences, quote unquote, you know, but the song really is sort of about like how it's so odd, you know, those synchronicities and how timing really is everything. So, yeah, so that that song definitely came up for me uh, when you asked that question. That's a new one. I haven't heard that one before. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a country song. Yeah. It's a country song. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, real curveball coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> I love to keep you on your toes. You know that. <laughs> you do well with that. Are you ready for the second question? Yeah. Let's do it. Who is Riss? Who is Riss? Gosh, that's a very deep question. <laughs> mm -hmm. How's yeah. it feel to be on the other side of it? Oh, I'm always on the other side of it. I have people checking me all the time and doing shadow work with me. So yeah, who is Briss? Well, right now I am someone who is passionate about understanding the inner workings of the mind in order to really hack the subconscious and help people really reach their highest potentials. And the reason why I'm so passionate about that is because uh, I've had to do that in my own life. Um, and it completely sent me down another road that I was on before. Um, I was actually a scientist before what I do now. Um, and I actually had, speaking of timing is everything, <laughs> relating back to the song that I was talking about, I had a really odd sort of timing thing happen to me when I was in college and it changed everything. It was something that happened to me <clears throat> and it changed absolutely everything. And I knew from that day that I wasn't gonna be a scientist. And I wanted to devote my life to really understanding the inner workings of my mind and help other people to do the same. And so that I think is, is such a big part of my journey, you know? Who, who is risk is such a big question, you know, like it, it would be that for anyone, you know what I mean? Like that's a big question for anyone really. But yeah, that's just a little bit about my journey and where I'm at right now and what's really important to me. Thank you for answering. And well, you know me and my chart 
and how I have trouble letting go of things. <sighs> it felt so good to check you there for a second, but then when you slap back and said, there are always people checking you, like, shit. <laughs> I haven't quite well, let go of that yet. <laughs> I wouldn't be a good coach if other people weren't checking me. This is true. This is very true. This is why I need someone like Riz to check me. So for everyone who listens regularly and has heard me talk about softening my edges, not looking for validation all the time, <laughs> things like that, Riz has played a big part in that because she shows me those things and she shines a light on those shadows. So thank you, Riz, for giving me material for the show. You're so welcome. And I hope that it provided everybody with good laughs, good thoughts, like reflections, all of those things. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, as I ponder that one. Anyways, let's switch gears to shadow work. So my queen of the shadow, queen of shadows, what is shadow work? Yeah, so traditionally shadow work, the term shadow work was coined by the um, psychiatrist Carl Jung. And so he he kind of studied shadow work as a form of integrating so the, the shadow is uh, the unconscious parts of you that we deny, reject, and disown. And oftentimes it happens in childhood. So the theory is that we kind of come into this world as a whole person, you know, as babies, as children, we are whole. We don't have problems saying no when we mean no, saying yes when we mean yes. We don't have a problem expressing our emotions. We cry when we're upset. You know, we say it when we're hungry. Like we have no problem advocating for our whole self. And not that we're even really conscious that we're whole at that point. You know what I mean? It's just kind of, that's just how the state that we enter into the world. And the idea is that when you kind of go along your journey, things kind of happen to you. You meet teachers, uh, other peers, you have relationships with your parents, um, and these relationships end up impacting you and experiences, these life experiences end up really impacting you in a way where it kind of causes the fragments in the personality. So the whole self becomes fragmented. So that can look like maybe you went to school and you experienced bullying around your image. And because of that, you completely changed your image going forward. And you're not really in touch with that authentic part of you anymore because you learned that it wasn't acceptable. And so shadow work is really a process of actually reclaiming those parts of you. And typically when we move from shadow, when we act from shadow, which, you know, is so deeply part of the human experience. But when we act from shadow, we can choose the wrong partners. We can choose the wrong career path. We can end up, you know, just going down roads that are really not in alignment with who we are as a person and our authentic selves and our whole selves. And so shadow work is really a process of, of reclaiming the whole version of yourself and learning to love and accept and advocate for that person. Um, so it's, it's really, really powerful work. It's very deep. A lot of it kind of goes into the unconscious, uh, but also the subconscious. And so the, the more traditional way of doing shadow work with Carl Jung is like dream work, really kind of getting into those like unconscious states of mind. 
but you know, I really work a lot on the subconscious levels as well with my clients. I don't do a ton of dream work yet. I'm thinking about actually incorporating it into my practice. So we'll see where that goes. But as of right now, a lot of it is like reclamation, um, and learning how to advocate for the authentic self. Why do you feel that it's easier to operate from the shadows? I think it's because that's such a great question. Why do you think it's easier to operate from the shadows? I think it's because it's familiar. It's familiar and it's it's hard to it's hard to operate and advocate for the authentic self because we risk abandonment. We risk rejection. We risk people not accepting us. And so there's a higher cost, right? There's pain. You know, whereas when we move from shadow, it's easier because it's a short term release. You know what I mean? So although it's more painful in the long run, in the short term, you don't necessarily experience that rejection or you don't feel like you're you you don't feel like you're abandoned, you know, in that moment. If you if you move from that place, the catch, though, is that you actually reject and abandon yourself which is even more painful and why it doesn't work in the long run. So the easier sort of piece comes in around more like short term, uh, short term sort of ways of thinking, which, you know, humans very so often fall into. Can you expand upon the abandonment component there? Absolutely. Yeah. So oftentimes, you know, when we're children, something that my coach said to me a while back is as children, we can be abandoned as adults. We cannot. And even if someone does quote unquote, abandon us in our adult years, it's really the inner child that feels abandoned. Um, so it's not necessarily the adult and the work is to caretake that inner child versus enmesh with it and become consumed by the abandonment wound. But essentially, early on in childhood, we can experience an abandonment. Um, And that can look like, you know, maybe you had a neglectful parent. They didn't really know, like an avoidant sort of parent who didn't really know how to cater to your needs. They didn't know how to, you know, listen to your emotions. They didn't know, they didn't know how to meet you. And so abandonment is really when somebody abandons you, it, they, they leave you hanging when you need them. You know what I mean? You're, you're dependent upon your parent. And so we can have these wounds deep down that, that go back to childhood around abandonment. And what happens is later on in life as adults, we act them out in other relationships. So let's say, you know, you, you did have a, a neglectful parent who wasn't around much, like maybe they were working a lot, maybe they straight up left and there's a wound there, there can be a fear. What happens is kids internalize that as it must be my fault, right? There must be something wrong with me. I did it. And so later on, if that's not healed, that shows up in relationship. So when you're in a romantic partner with somebody and the romantic partner, let's say, wants to hang out with their friends instead of you one night, that abandonment wound can actually get kicked up and you might, you, you're not conscious of it. Like you don't know, you just know that you're triggered. You know, you know that you're feeling really anxious. You're feeling like you're not good enough. You're feeling like your partner is doing it on purpose. You know, that's when that's that shadow. That's that abandonment wound. Why do you feel it is that someone will seek out relationships that act out those abandonment wounds? That's such a good question. 
and this is just purely my opinion, you know, I've heard countless people speak to this as well, obviously, but I think that we choose if we don't do the shadow work and we don't do the inner work, I think we will choose partners who mirror those wounds because we're trying to recorrect the past. So in our minds, we're in a cycle where we're trying to prove to the person that we're good enough that they can't leave us. You know what I mean? So whatever happened in the past, maybe, you know, going back to the example, maybe you had a parent who left when you were, when you were a child and you internalize that as being something wrong with you, you can have this wound that you're not good enough. Right. And so you spend so much time trying to prove that you're good enough to other people so they don't abandon you. And so you'll attract a partner who will leave. So you can try and convince this person that you are good enough. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like the past hijacking your consciousness and leading you to choose partners that actually aren't in alignment with your whole self. So you'll choose partners that mirror the story that you're not good enough. My coach always said you either choose people who validate your stories or choose people who will challenge your stories. So that basically means you'll choose people who confirm that you're not good enough in your head, or you'll choose people who make you face that story as being untrue. And it can be incredibly uncomfortable to do that, to actually admit that we're good enough. And so it's, it's very, very powerful work. Yeah. So I understand that the go-to when it comes to shadow work can typically, or sorry, typically be relationships used as the example, but how else does shadow work show up? outside of relationships. Yeah. So it can show up in career. That's actually what happened with my own path. I chose to be a scientist from a very shadowy place and it never felt authentic. It always felt wrong. Um, as a child, I was not, you know, really into science. I was actually an artist. I was winning art competitions at a very early age. I was very good at things that I do now, you know, like I was very good at uh, working with people, psychology, emotional intelligence, like those were all sorts of things that were actually very a part of who I am as a person. But I chose that career path from a very shadowy place. And I was, I was unhappy, you know, I, I felt awful on that career path about myself. And it, I chose that career path because it validated the stories that I had about myself and it was so painful and it took a lot of work and courage to actually step in onto a path that was more in alignment with my authentic self and challenge those stories that I had about myself. This feels weird right now. I'm not used to having a conversation with you like this. <laughs> I mean, thank you for sharing that because our conversations usually go a little more like you shining a light on something for me and me being like, ah, why? <laughs> This is weird. This is so foreign. Like, who is this person? What have you done with this woman who always pisses me off? <laughs> well, now I get to show you how I've been pissed off in the past. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> and also, Riss has the coolest rising sign. I just have to say that I I'm a fan of the Aquarius rising. Just want to give you a shout out for that one. I think it's the best of the twelve. And I know. People say, oh, we love all our, all our children the same and everything. I don't look at rising signs that way. And there's no bias at all. No, there's bias there. I mean, I'm to kidding. me, the other 11 are all the same. 
but there's one that stands above the rest. So I just want to give you props for being born at the right time. <laughs> uh, props. Credit goes to my mom. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, mom. <laughs> Shout out to my mom. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some spiritual bypassing now. Is That was our segue, talking about how Aquarius rising is the best sign of all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Here can come my shadows. Oh, God, I'm already seeking validation and just projecting it on you. Mm. <laughs> this is what it looks like. She doesn't even have to say anything. It just comes up by her just being in front of me. Oh, this is what it looks like, everyone. This is what it looks like. And then I have to sit with this after and say, why? Why do I need to point out that Aquarius Rising is the best out of the 12? Why do I need to put it on someone else? Because Wait. it is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you're just being real. <laughs> okay, so that's something I'm going to need to sit with after. See, yeah, for shadow work, it doesn't need to always be something scary like that. That creature or monster coming out of the shadows. Like, ah, no, that's the sound that I make. But it can be something as simple as, why do I need to talk about how amazing Aquarius Rising is? Yeah, it's honestly just curiosity. And I think that that is like one of the, the most intelligent ways to do shadow work is to remove, do, to come at it from a more neutral place. That's why curiosity is such an, it's it's alchemy. You know what I mean? It, it mm -hmm. There isn't, it's not curiosity from a charged place it's just curious just neutral curio curiosity like oh <laughs> that's interesting you know yeah as i'm still trying to wrap my head around that come on d why why are you still seeking validation other way i thought we were <laughs> over this well okay spiritual bypassing Riss, what is spiritual bypassing so spiritual bypassing is essentially a way of practicing spirituality in a way that bypasses maybe shadow or truth. So what can often happen is we get really stuck in the ethereal or, you know, the astral. And oftentimes it's actually a form of escapism, which is really interesting to me because I'm also a, a professional astrologer. And if you look at the planet Neptune, Neptune rules spirituality, but it also rules escapism at its shadow expression, right? So there's a reason for that. And it's because we can actually use spirituality as a form of escaping truth. So it might be easier to sort of cling to those astral, really ethereal sort of realms without grounding into truth that actually might be quite dark. You know, it's a, it's a form of like, for instance, uh, for example, I can use toxic positivity as an example or light work as an example, right? Like sometimes we can get so attached to positivity and light work that sometimes it's actually because what's underneath that is we're uncomfortable and we don't want to sit with the darkness. Like it feels too uncomfortable to see. It feels too irky to face the truth. And like I said earlier, humans have a, have a tendency to kind of, they like to relieve temporary pain over, you know, doing the work to not have long-term pain. And so it's a form of that. It's, it's a form of escapism. So how would that look with light work? Well, you know, there's a lot of different forms of light work for sure. But if we're, if we're doing like like what kind of what kind of light work did you have in mind? 
when you ask that question. The Light Worker Association. Yeah. Well, let's go that way. Yeah. Okay. So, for instance, maybe people who channel alien species or channel channel do some sort of like channeling from higher dimensions or you know whatever and i and this isn't this isn't you know we're thinking unique. about the same person right now right the one who's yes <laughs> we, i wasn't gonna say it but you did it's okay I, I haven't mentioned that person's name on the podcast nor will i because i don't i don't want to put them in that position sorry i just want to make sure we're on the same page Although oh, yeah. I did parody one of their videos in episode 20, Karmic Relationships. Uh, I believe it happens around the four-minute mark. So if you want to get a feel for that, you guys can go listen to that. It's the <laughs> one about Twin Flames and talking about how they were having sex in the parking lot of a Burger King to open up portals. They, she didn't actually say that part about Burger King, but the rest of it was in there. Yeah. 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 And I want to say, too, like, you know, spiritual bypassing or any kind of bypassing is very, very human. And we all do it. There's nobody on the planet that doesn't do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so I do, I do want to say that, you know, everybody's kind of on their own growth path and everybody is where they are and, you know, but it can be very dangerous, especially Mm -hmm. if you're a teacher, you know, if you're, Mm -hmm. if you're guiding other people, it can be very dangerous. Um, and to your point, that's another topic is twin flames can be incredibly bypassy. So an example is, let's say that, you know, you're in a really toxic relationship and uh, you have this sort of you're clinging, you're attaching to this idea that this person is your twin flame. And I've seen people use that as a way to stay in toxic relationships because they don't want to face the truth that this person just is not good for you. They don't want to do the inner growth work and meet that growth edge and do the courageous thing, which is to leave and to work on themselves so that they, they can attract a different kind of relationship. And so that's, that's really what spiritual bypassing can look like, and it can be incredibly dangerous. So I, I don't really have anything to say about the twin flame component, but... With regards to channeling, I don't find all channeling to be detrimental. I just want to make that distinction right now. I think it's just a matter of how you use it. Because Absolutely. Look, yeah. I interact with alien collectives through past life regressions. It happens. So, you know, am I going to just attach that to spiritual bypassing? No, because I'm not clutching onto it. And I don't think it matters. I think what matters is the message, not whatever collective it is. The Arcturians, the Palladians, the, as I've called them, the Gargantuans, which I don't know if they exist, or the blah, 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 That's a new one. I don't think all of those things are attached to spiritual bypassing, but I think a lot of it is. So what are things to look out for in that respect? You know, how do you differentiate between, is this message coming from a place of, how is this really going to help people? and not be an instrument of spiritual bypassing for the messenger, as opposed Mm -hmm. to what is just outright dangerous sometimes? Sure. That's a really good question. So I know that a big thing in channeling, and I I don't do channeling work. I used to a long time ago, but I know a big thing in channeling is being a clear channel. And so I don't think, you know, if, if we don't take care to be a clear channel and what that means 
is you remove yourself and your own stuff, your own shadow from whatever it is that you're channeling. So you become a very clear conduit. And so I think what we need to really look out for is, and it kind of ties into, you see it in Christianity as well, where you see, you know, maybe um, what has been preached in the past, you know, as God's will is actually shadow and human will, right? But we kind of, in order to not take responsibility for that shadow, we blame it on God. Like this is what God wants. You know what I mean? And so I think we have to be careful about that when it comes to channeling as well, which is like, is this a you thing or is this a channeling thing? Right? So just being aware of what feels like a projection, you know what I mean? Um, Because I've seen that a lot where it's not a clear channel and someone's kind of adding in their own stuff and projecting from their own shadow. And I want to, I want to be very clear too. It's not because, you know, most times when this happens, it's not because somebody has ill will and it's Mm -hmm. not, they're not necessarily doing it on purpose. Most of the time they're not. Most of the time they're actually, you know, they want to help. They want to be a clear conduit. You know what I mean? It's not because anybody's wrong or evil. It's just, we do have to be careful about how we guide and direct people and how we're showing up in that container and questioning, you know, like taking care to like remove our own stuff from the situation before we show up for the person. One that comes to mind for me, I don't want to go down the conspiracy rabbit hole right now, (laughs) but I am someone who believes that anything is possible other than the earth being flat. So still, I've said that before. I'm sorry if I offended anyone. Maybe it is. I don't believe that the earth is flat. But other than that, I believe that anything is possible. So when there are all these messages out there about, oh, this thing is in control and that thing and the reptilians are doing this and this and that and blah, 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 blah. I see a lot of that as a form of spiritual bypassing, even though I believe that it may be a possibility that there are more nefarious groups orchestrating things or controlling things or pulling the strings. I believe it's possible. However, even if it is real and happening, how do you see that as a form of spiritual bypassing, the ones who are out there really trying to shout about this from the rooftops? Yeah, I mean, when you say like, how is this a form of spiritual bypassing, can you elaborate on what you mean? I see it as a way... Again, I'm, I believe that these things are a possibility. Mm-hmm. So I'm not discounting that at all right now. But I also come from the point of view of if this organization or this alien collective is so strong, the one I, I hear a lot that they said they're feeding off the emotions of humanity, which I believe is possible, is just being so wrapped up in it, really going to dismantle it. Or if they are feeding off the emotions of humanity, why don't you just take a step back and work on gaining more control over your emotions so you're not triggered by certain things, so you're not acting from a place of fear and anger and hurt all the time? Because then if you're cutting off the source, then they can't feed off you. So I feel it's a way to say, it's a waste of time for me to look at those things because there's something else in control. There's something else bigger that's pulling the string. So there's nothing I can do except direct my attention at that external creature or source or organization or group as opposed to looking inside because they're the problem. They're the cause of all my problems, which still they may be. But what is really accomplished by pointing the finger 
as opposed to looking inside. Absolutely. And I think that that's such a, I love that you brought that in and I love that you spoke to that. That was amazing <clears throat> because I think that, you know, oftentimes we can sort of approach spirituality or these more new age concepts from a place of powerlessness. And, and that's the, the, the difference is, are we using spirituality as a form of empowerment or to victimize ourselves? You know what I mean? I feel like the, the underlying question with shadow work is why, you know what I mean? So if you're, if you're sort of getting really wrapped up and really consumed around channeling aliens and, and getting really into those sorts of things. And I want to be clear too, like, I am not dismissing that these things are real or, mm -hmm. or yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, they're not real or they're not valid. You know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm more so saying why, like if you're, if you're really consumed by it, where is that coming from? And, you know, shadow work is really about taking responsibility. It's about personal accountability. It's about seeing yourself as a sovereign being and seeing the power in, in yourself and not approaching and interacting with life in a way where you are a, com a complete victim to your circumstances. That's not to say that things happen that you don't, I mean, th things do happen that you don't have control over. That's just life, right? But how we choose to show up and interact with those things is our responsibility. So how we interact with something that's out of our control, do we approach that with skill? Do we get consumed by it? Do we, you know, do we watch ourselves? Do we track ourselves? Do we hold ourselves? Do we address our inner child? Like, it's all about the accountability aspect. And I think that spiritual bypassing has absolutely no accountability and responsibility. And I want to say too, like I said before, I want to reiterate, it's very human because mm -hmm. it's scary. It's scary to take responsibility and we all bypass, including myself. Like I have, you know, I ca it, but the, but the work is to catch yourself, you know, it's not to never spiritually bypass because that's not realistic for anyone on this path. We're human. We're going to make that mistake. We're going to choose the short-term fix over long-term health. Like we're going to do that, you know, and, and the work is, and the practice is catching it and being brave enough to choose differently. And that's part of the sovereignty is everybody is a sovereign being unto themselves. And the difference is when you own your sovereignty, you choose differently. So, Riss, queen so of the Daniel. shadow. <laughs> what I'm going to ask of you right now, I'm only asking because I'm willing to dish and take, and I'll meet you there if you go there. How have you spiritually bypassed? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I've done... I've definitely spiritual bypass and I, and I still do from time to time, you know, it can be very unconscious. You don't realize you're doing it until after, but the practice is forgiving yourself when you do, but let's see specifically. Um, I, I would say, uh, at another time in my life, I have, yeah. So, okay. I'm, I'm thinking of something uh, specific. I think when I was, I've been on this path for a very long time now. And in the beginning, I, I think that I used spirituality 
actually from a very shadowy place in the beginning. Like I, I practiced spirituality from a shadowy place and I didn't, wasn't conscious of it. I had my own wounds around probably not being enough feeling inferior. And so, uh, spirituality became a way to validate that I was enough. Uh, and the reason is because as I started practicing it, as I started to really meditate, as I started to really step into my truth and study the unconscious mind and the subconscious mind, I had that realization. I'm really good at this. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is, this is something I'm really good at. And it ties into the shadow of my career path in the past when I chose to be a scientist when I got onto the spiritual path of like shadow work of all of the things that I do now, I think because I still had that wound of not feeling enough, it turned into a superiority complex in the beginning of my journey. And I think that I used spirituality in that way. And I looked down upon other people who maybe weren't as into personal development or weren't into spirituality like I was. And that's bypassing. That's really not taking responsibility for, I just don't feel enough. You know, like if you're looking down on other people because they're not like you, that's a you thing. That's not them. You know what I mean? And I, mm -hmm. I struggled, I struggled with that in the beginning for sure. Well, thank you for being so open and vulnerable for that one because you weren't spiritually bypassing there by owning your shit. So I appreciate it. I own my shit because I learned, because I didn't in the past. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring up about the superiority complex because that's something that I still struggle with from time to time. I mean, I think it's something I'm getting much better at, but there is that feeling that comes up of I'm better than you because I'm looking at these things, because I'm willing to take the time to look at these things, because I'm not a fucking pussy like you are. By the way, this is the thing. <laughs> I'm putting it out there so I'm, I'm being honest because then I can hold myself accountable for it. That's what I'm doing right now. It doesn't make me look great. Maybe there's some more words in there besides the ones I just let out, but it does happen. But I think what I'm getting better at now is reeling it back in and seeing look, this is just where I am on my journey and this is where they are in their journey. This is no slight against them. If they are not there yet, maybe they'll never be there. But it doesn't make me better than them because maybe that's what their journey is supposed to be in this life. Maybe this incarnation is all about spiritually bypassing so they can understand on a soul level what it means to spend a lifetime spiritually bypassing so then they can come back and be a shadow work coach in a future incarnation maybe that's what the system is asking of this individual in this lifetime so i'm glad that you brought that up i'll talk a little bit about how i've spiritually bypassed in the past bypassed b-a-s-s-e-d but p-a-s-t for the past okay yeah because <laughs> my grammar brain <laughs> how i've spiritually bypassed in the past that that's a tongue twister a bit <laughs> So for me, I think it started in my late 20s and it came from a place of feeling like I was here to make a difference, but not having any clear direction or any idea of what that is or what that was at the time. And then I came around to all this and started hearing about light workers, star seeds, purpose, here to save the planet. And I got a little wrapped up in it. Now, fortunately, I wasn't someone who was very vocal about these things, so I wasn't out there making an ass out of myself. Oh, there it is. 
See, I caught myself there. I was doing it by saying that I was doing it. That was the superior, right? That was superior complex. I can't even say the word. <laughs> Shit. Throat chakra stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. Before I continue there, I think I need to bring something up though. This is where I run into an issue is how do I bring these things up without a superiority complex? Because I feel it's important to bring these things up and call a spade a spade. How do I do that without coming off as a superior? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that like, you know, if you're moving from a place of authenticity, you're not moving from a place of superiority. And if you move from a place of authenticity, you don't really have control over other how other people perceive you. So I think the question, the deeper question is not worrying about how it's going to come off and more so placing the attention inward of like, how do I show up authentically? So one of the things that Riss and I covered, and this is about a year and a half ago at this point, was how I wanted to show up in the world. And what it really boiled down to, which Riss held, held this, this dirty ass beautiful mirror up for me, just had a bunch of shit on it and, and fog <laughs> and bananas. <laughs> some tomato sauce like i'm a taurus i mean i don't want to be the stereotype but my mind will just naturally go to food <laughs> she held this mirror up for me for me to understand that if i'm just myself that's all i need to be the second i try being anything other than me is when i'm veering off of authenticity or i'm trying too hard so the struggle that's coming up for me right now is me saying those people are just a bunch of fucking pussies. That's me being authentic. Maybe there's a superiority complex that does accompany it a bit, but there's that authentic part of me that's saying, I just need to call it what it is and not mince my words because I think someone needs to say it. And as long as I'm not punching down, I think that's the distinction that needs to be made too, is that I'm punching up because I think sometimes you need to punch up in order to knock someone off their high horse. Riss, I know you have some words about this, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I was just listening. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that sometimes just being yourself punches people up and you don't even need to try. You know what I mean? Like you just mm -hmm. even bringing how you really feel about something because that's really authentic expression is like bringing how you actually what's real, you know what I mean? And, and sometimes like, if you do just focus on being authentic, sometimes that is the punch up, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As we've talked about in my mirror sessions, I get triggered by people who are taking other, sorry, what I perceive to be others or people taking others down with them because they are spiritually bypassing themselves. That's where I get triggered because I'm thinking this isn't right. This isn't right that you're letting everyone get caught up in your own shit because you're too much of a pussy to look at Johnny Tompkins or, or Brennan Huff. I don't know who Johnny Tompkins is, but Brennan Huff was from Step Brothers stealing your lunch <laughs> when you were seven years old. Like you fucking pussy, look at that shit instead of taking hundreds of thousands of people down with you. So the videos that I send to Riss of this one particular person, I'm massively entertained by these videos massively entertained but there was one 
where Riss and I said to each other, this is dangerous. What this person is saying has the potential to be very dangerous. And we're not talking about, you know, a couple four-letter words being thrown around to someone. What this person was saying has the potential to kill someone because it feeds an obsession. And what, what I'm talking about particularly had to do with twin flames. And I believe in this video, what the person said, or was in the, in the description of it is, sometimes your twin flame, or not sometimes, I kinda, I don't, don't quote me on this one, or your twin flame will ignore you because they love you that much. Oh, God. Right? And it's, <laughs> to me, that is so dangerous because if you're telling someone that they're ghosting you or ignoring you because they love you that much, well, what happens when that person starts stalking that person and then sees them with someone else and takes a knife and slits someone's throat? Look, maybe that was extreme, but maybe it wasn't. But I think obsession can take you to those levels. So I think it's dangerous. So that's where I get triggered because this person, I came across their account probably about six months ago, and I've seen that account grow so much, so much. Of course, there's that part of me that's pissed off because I'm doing what I believe to do or to be the right thing, which is not playing into those things, not bringing up the sexy buzzwords or not talking about all the sessions I do with the aliens and stuff and focusing on doing an episode about shadow work and seeing these people grow because they're playing that way. I get triggered by it, but maybe it's my altruistic nature in a sense of only focusing on this is going to get someone killed. This is why I'm being triggered by it. Or why won't this person look at their shit and they grow and take people down with them. And then I go to the extreme of maybe it's because these people need to be taken down this dark path by this cult leader so they can find their way back. Because for me, what I didn't get a chance to touch on a few minutes ago because I got triggered as I was talking by myself. Was <laughs> well, the way that I spiritually bypassed was by getting caught up in all that. I never went down the twin flame route. I never, you know, just, it wasn't my jam. But I got caught up in purpose and being a light worker and being the ones who are here to change the planet and save the planet and uplift it to the 57,000th dimension. Oh, wait, no, no, no. We're going to do the 65,000th dimension now because 58th was so last week. That's what I got caught up in because really what I was doing was making a choice, whether it was consciously or unconsciously, to not look at my shit because it was easier to put all my focus and attention on uplifting humanity, up-leveling Gaia through the collective consciousness crystalline grid on her merry way into her dance with the universe and the song and dance of all that is and the divine feminine and masculine and them fornicating all over Mars and Venus. Boy, I took that. <laughs> uh, I was really doing well there too. I think but you were channeling. I th yeah. Who was I, Saturn there? Or was I Neptune? <laughs> Neptune, definitely. Yeah, it's Neptune. But that's how I spiritually bypassed because it was easier for me to look at the world through that lens because everything else became irrelevant to me. I, I said, I don't need to look at those things because what's that going to do? How is that going to help the earth? How is that going to help raise humanity to a new level of consciousness? And the answer was it wasn't, but that's okay. Then the flip side of it was, wait, 
What if that is the way to do it? What if the way to help uplift humanity is to look at my own shit and take a step back from all of that and really take the time to start working on myself and then put me in a better position to help others? Because here's the other kicker. For some of that time, I was a past life regressionist. Good thing about me, though, at the time was I still wasn't completely sold. So I don't believe I was taking others down with me because I wasn't out there perpetuating things. But I was so caught up in it still as a way just to bypass myself that I just chose not to look at it. But I believe that I became a much better practitioner once I decided to take a step back and be selfish and focus on myself and say, fuck the rest of the world for a little while, for a couple of years. Like they can hurt themselves in the meantime or whatever it is. Like I'm not going to, me being out there talking about all this stuff is not going to change things. But what if I come out a little bit lighter on the other side because I've looked at my shadows and I've released some of them and then I show up differently as a result of it. And then I'm in a better position to help people. And then if people can see me on this journey of seeing where my triggers are lying, even in this podcast recording that we're doing well, after <laughs> a year and a half of the shadow work that I've been doing with Riss, and that wasn't even my first foray into it, but I still have a lot to do. I still have a lot to work on. I have a lot of growing to do. And the second I think I'm done is the second one I'm kidding myself. Now, at some point, Riss is going to be done with me because she can be like, dude, enough. Enough is enough. <laughs> I'm sick of your shit, man. No. <laughs> Grow I the fuck up, with dude. <laughs> See, and what I was doing was seeking validation there. <laughs> I've learned the buttons to push with wrists. <laughs> but this is what shadow work is. It's being aware of it because then still I'm going to sit with myself after and say, why did I need to go there? Come on, D. Was it necessary? Why, why with all this awareness that you have about seeking validation, do you still go there? And you know, it, it doesn't need to look spectacular. This is what it is. Yeah. The floor. Something that I think is really important to say when we do shadow work, it's not necessarily to, you know, like I have this image of like, like, you know, the, the extremist uh, Christians that like whip themselves if they're bad, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily about that either. It's, it's just, it, you know, it's not about judging ourselves. It's really just about like being conscious of how we're showing up and choosing to do things differently. And I think that I really, I really like that, you know, you talked about doing all of this sort of like astral work and, and really tying your purpose up into that. You know what I mean? And again, like the shadow work question would be, what is the attachment to purpose? What is that? Why, you know, where is that coming from? And again, it's not to put you down in any way. It's really mm -hmm. just to create, tr it's it's to put you in touch with your truth so you can redirect towards the authentic self. So you basically what happens is oftentimes we're trying to find ourselves in something outside of us. Like we're trying to mold something outside of us to fit our authentic self versus aligning with our authentic self and choosing from that place. So instead of like, you know, moving from the outside in, we choose to be conscious of moving from the inside out. And so it's a process of really just allowing yourself to redirect and to 
to kind of ask those deeper questions so you can follow a path that feels more in alignment with truth. It's really, it's really just connecting to truth, you know, and sometimes when we, we can get really caught up in trying to find ourselves outside of us and trying to escape ourselves, a lot of it is like escaping ourselves, you know, and when we get so caught up in that, that's when it can kind of become a little bit dangerous, you know, um, and you tend to attract people who are doing the same thing. So, yeah, just wanted to speak to that. I think it's interesting that you bring that up because even when you pose that question, I thought about my answer and realized that my answer in and of itself may be spiritually bypassing, but then, as I'm teeing it up right now, it's about what I'm about to say, but then thinking, is it really because maybe this is the way that I genuinely view the universe and the way that things work? And that answer is, I don't believe that anyone is truly selfless. I don't. I believe that some people may think they are. Maybe if you've you've been sitting in a cave meditating for the last 30 years, maybe you're completely selfless. But in the world that we live in, I don't believe that any person is truly selfless, at least on a subconscious level. Because the way that I view the universe is that there really is a karmic balance that takes place. So that in the act of doing whatever it is that you're doing, You're balancing something out or racking up points in one way or another. So maybe consciously it is a truly selfless act, but on a soul level, there's something different. Now, then the question becomes, well, do souls really operate that way? When we're operating outside of the third dimension, is that the way that we look at things? And with purpose, I think it's just a matter ultimately of looking for approval a validation of having something reflected back at you that says you're making a difference. You're changing things. I'd be lying if I said otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I understand this too, because I went really deep down the purpose rabbit hole. And I want to say too, like to your point earlier, like some people need to just sort of like go through that path in order to find themselves, you know, they have to sort of get lost in order to come back to their truth, which is, oh, it was me all along, right? Which is typically the truth what, that we return to, you know, that mm-hmm. the answer was within, you know, all of those pieces. But yeah, I mean, I I definitely went through my own journey with that too, of clinging to purpose and what that means I I am grateful for it because I do what I do now, you know, and because I went down that path. But yeah, I think that we can kind of, if we don't practice shadow work, we can kind of just get lost in that and never actually come back home. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? To our, to ourselves. That can definitely be um, where things kind of go awry for sure. I think the journey is really all that matters ultimately. Because I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but one of the things, there were really maybe two or three catalyst moments that brought me to this place of realizing I needed to take a step back and evaluate things from a more personal inner level. One of those things was one of my mentors who was a great person, very knowledgeable, but also caught up in their own path. When I had mentioned to them that I was going to start an astrology course, start taking an astrology course, they said to me, That's a waste of time. You're too gifted. You're too important to waste your time with that. What was really interesting is that you think that that would play to my ego, but that comment really made me raise an eyebrow thinking, why does that mean that I can't learn astrology? How does that have anything to do with me being special? It doesn't. 
So I started to see this person as something other than up on this pedestal and realizing that maybe specialness was coming from a wound of theirs. And that was very helpful for me to see that. Now, what's also really cool is that was almost six years ago. So I've seen that person grow in those six years as well. And I don't think that they are operating from the same place that they were at that time. And it's those little things. So just keep an eye out also for the people who are your mentors and just realize that they're human too and that they may be projecting stuff on, on anyone because I like to think that I'm becoming more and more self-aware every day, but I'm sure that I'm still projecting stuff every day. And just because I'm owning it doesn't make it right. Maybe I'll get better in time. Thank you so much for speaking to that. Riz, this is my show. You're not supposed to take over that way. <laughs> Damn it. Sorry. <laughs> Where's that coming you. from, Daniel? Where's that coming from? <laughs> hey, she's trying to move in on my territory right now and take over? No, that's not the way this works. But thank you, Riz. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> nah, I mean, in all seriousness, I appreciate you so, 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 so much. You have changed my life in ways that if I sat down for five minutes and really put my thoughts together, I could probably comprehend it and, and articulate it to you, but I don't want to. So say <laughs> you've really made a difference in my life. And, and I think that it shows just in the way that I show up. Cause I think I even mentioned today in the podcast, like this podcast is about my journey. I made it very clear in the very first episode that while the spotlight is on the guests, ultimately the show as a whole is about my journey and allowing people to see me on my path and see where I'm starting from the beginning of the podcast and wherever it is, I ultimately end up and seeing that I am a flawed human and that I do make mistakes and that I'm going to say stupid things a lot and that maybe those stupid things will start coming more far and few in between. But I believe that you are one of those people who are really paramount for the growth that I believe is transparent through these episodes in this place where I'm at now as opposed to a year ago. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. Not only for me, but there's a lot of people I know who have worked with you whose lives have changed. And I'm just thinking, damn, damn, <laughs> like you, you do well. And I believe in you and I believe that you're here to make a difference. And with that, I want you to take the floor now and talk about what you're here to offer the world. Thank you so, so much for saying that. It truly means the world to me. I mean, my heart just lit up like hearing you say that. And seriously, it's, it's such an honor and such a blessing. Every single client I have is also a teacher for me too. <clears throat> they're always a mirror. They're always a teacher. They're always helping me grow too. And so I am eternally grateful for you and all of my clients. I would not be here without any of you. Um, and it's seriously such a, such a blessing and such an honor. So, yeah, so I, I offer one-on-one -on -one shadow work coaching and within a coaching container over several weeks, I meet with clients every single week and we do shadow work together. And I also host new and full moon ceremonies, which my clients get access to. So the new and full moon ceremonies are really special because they uh, bring my community together. Um, a lot of the people who come to my ceremonies are my current clients, 
or <clears throat> shadow work clients that have worked with me in the past who keep coming. And then it's also a mixture of people who are new and want to try it on and are interested. Like I said before, I'm also an astrologer. And so I always weave in astrology. And I also offer one-on-one -on -one astrology readings as well. I always weave in shadow work into my astrology sessions because I'm so passionate about it. But that's really what I'm here to offer. Well, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here too. <laughs> and where can everyone reach you? So I have a website. It's www.marissacottrell.com. How do you spell that? M-A-R-I-S-A-C-O-T-T-R-I-L-L.com. I also am very active on Instagram at all my ancestors. And then I also have a TikTok, which is at all underscore my underscore ancestors. I'm also the house astrologer for the brand Tamed Wild. And I run the moon musing section on the Magic and Alchemy blog. And I've also been on their podcast a few times on the Magic and Alchemy podcast. So definitely look out for my Tamed Wild work. I write about new and full moon astrology every single month. And there's always personal development themes uh, tied into it. So definitely watch out for that too. And she's an Aquarius rising. Which... <laughs> and Aquarius sun. Uh, <laughs> and Mercury and Saturn. <laughs> I just couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Thank you so much for coming on. And just thank you for being you. Thank you so much for having me, Daniel. It's been such a pleasure to, to come on to your podcast today. Aquarius rising out. Aquarius rising out. <laughs> Fellow time travelers, your journey through time awaits you. Just want to thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. And if you're interested in discovering who, when, and where you have been throughout time, and you'd like to book a session with me, just go ahead and send me a message on Instagram at the Past Life Regressionist, or you can reach me through my website, yourpastliferegressionist.com.